All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to see everybody here. I can tell how many people were here for the first time because so many of you were here at 11 or 1045 instead of 1105. So it's so good to see you. I know lots of students coming back or coming for the first time after summer. Welcome. Lots of families here to see their babies dedicated. Welcome. So glad you're here. Uh, For anyone who hasn't been with us through the rest of the sermon series, we are talking through this question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? In the gospel of Mark, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And I love this question, right? It's, It's a super relevant question that we're not necessarily talking often about with the people in our lives, right? We don't go over, hey, by the way, coworker who I've talked to once, who do you say Jesus is, right? It's not something we open up with, but if we're honest, it's really one of the most important questions that we need to come to our own answer to in our life, right? Who do you say that Jesus is? So far, uh, we've talked through Jesus as the teacher. Ryan kicked us off talking about how Jesus was really the ultimate version of a rabbi, someone who taught with authority and was recognized as such even by the people of that time who were confused by how he taught with authority. Beth walked us through Jesus as the preacher, as the prophet, So not only the fact that he preached the good news, but that he embodied the good news in a time that desperately needed it. And last week, shifting over kind of more to that action, right? Mark talked through Jesus as the healer. So not just physical healing, we saw that in scripture for sure, but also the whole body, right? Mental, yes, physical, but also emotional, spiritual healing. I'm using the example of the friends who brought the paralytic and dropped him through the roof just to get to Jesus, So obviously you get to pick, right? So we get to pick which one's our favorite Jesus, right? Which aspects of Jesus do we love the most? And that's that's how it works. We pick the Jesus we feel comfortable with and boom, there he is, right? That's how it works. Not quite, obviously, right? As we talk through different aspects of who Jesus is, there might be some that maybe make us a little uncomfortable, right? Healing for some of us is, that's just, I don't know, I don't always see that. I read about that in scripture, but I don't see that, right? What about the Jesus who casts out demons, right? It's, again, not something we're going to the water cooler at work talking to people about, but this is something, something we see in scripture, an aspect of Jesus, of who he is. So one of the things that um, I got the chance to be a part of when I was at Penn State, a lot of Penn Staters in the house today, um, so I came to know the Lord personally to find that answer for myself of who Jesus was when I was a freshman at Penn State, and one of the things that like just rocked me is the fact that there were so many other students there who didn't know the answer to that question. So a few of us um, were thinking like, man, what can we do, right? We're not gonna go out and preach on the corners because there's enough guys doing that. So we said, you know what? We want to go out there. We wanna show them that there is this approachable God who loves them, who can talk to them at any time, even Friday night, Saturday night while they're out there, right? So we came up with with this idea and we made these signs. This is actually like, if there's ever a museum, this is going in it because this is the very first one and you can, you can see it's been, been through a lot. Um, so it's simple, right? Simple premise, free prayers. We added free hugs because it's good for business. <laughs> free prayers, free hugs. <laughs> You'll get one later, free hug. So simple, simple premise, right? Of just going out there and trying to represent a God who wants to pursue these people. Um, and we had so many people come by. One of my favorite things is we started to write down so many of the interactions we had of just names, right? I like get goosebumps thinking about interactions and names and souls and stories and people. And all of these represent that. It was, oh man, it just turned into so much more than we imagined. Starting simple, right? Starting thinking about 
you know, we pray for my family. We pray for world peace, success, those things. But occasionally, we would, we would get something maybe a little more than we bargained for, something that we didn't quite expect going out there. So one night in particular, a group of guys comes by. Uh, it's getting kind of late. You know, they're joking with us, not really taking it seriously, which happens. It's totally fine. But one of the guys in the group intentionally sought us out and, like, unloaded a lot of life stuff that was happening, right? So, yes, this is why we're here. So we're getting ready to pray for him. And just as we were getting ready, one of the girls in our group came over and put her, put her hand on his shoulder, right? Because we're getting ready to pray. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, that great conversation we were having shifted. And the moment just got super tense. He turned to her and said, I know what you want. Whoa, did not see that coming, right? Did not see that coming. And so right in that moment, luckily the girl knew what to do. She just starts praying over him. I've never seen anything like this. So I'm staring at him and just telling him, God loves you so much. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. What a tense moment. We just all feel it suddenly shift. A couple minutes go by of this, just doing it, doing it, doing it. And all of a sudden, just as soon as that kind of came onto him, it left him. And he just breaks down. He's, he's weeping. He's declaring for himself, man, God loves me. God loves me. His friends yank him away, they go, we never see him again. And just like that, we're, le- we're left sitting there of like, what just happened, right? We did not expect that when we put ourselves out there to have an experience like that. So what, what happened, right? There's still some parts of it that, I'll be honest, I don't have a perfect understanding of, right? I do know, though, that we as humans, Mark touched on this last week, we as humans aren't just physical bodies, right? We're not just our minds, we're not even just our souls, there is a spirit aspect of us, right? So we recognize that there is a spiritual realm, something that does impact us. We might call it different names as far as what, what that encounter was with that guy in particular, right? We might use some words that kind of intimidate us. We might use words like demon. We might use words like possess, right? We think about those like kind of dark, scary movies that intimidate us when we, when we think about those concepts. But whatever it is, the reality is that we have this external resistance that starts spiritual but can impact us physically, right? Jesus warns us about this. Jesus warns us that we have an active enemy. He talks in John 10.10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about Satan, our enemy, who's actively against us. First Peter says it this way, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour like, for those of you who invited your family for the baptisms, you're like, where is he going with this? This was supposed to be a family-friendly sermon, right? But this is the reality, right? This is the reality that we live in, that we have external resistance spiritually that impacts us physically. And in other areas of scripture, we see this, this isn't that abnormal, right? In Mark 7, it says, Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. So not only do we see in this woman a recognition and acknowledgement that like my daughter needs help, right? There's, there's There's no shame behind it, right? There's no thought of like, man, this is super weird, whatever. There's just a desperation to get her in front of Jesus 
so that she can experience liberation and restoration from that, right? That is, an, that is an act of desperate love even to bring the daughter to Jesus. But it starts with the recognition that there is that spiritual warfare at work. And even now, um, it's actually not abnormal in other cultures, the integration with kind of the spiritual realm and the physical. Um, we have some of folks in our church who are right now in Zambia, um, part of some really cool uh, missions work there, and I'm sure they will come back with different stories of things that surprise them that they don't necessarily think of or, or see here often, right? And even boiling down the, the main concept of it, right? If we're honest, it's not that abnormal to us here. Anyone who's dealt with different mental health challenges, anxiety, depression, the thought of something kind of external, spiritually coming over us like an oppressive weight and somehow making its way to impact us physically, that's, that's not all that uncommon, right? That's not all that foreign for us when we think about it that way. Anyone who's experienced that sense of just like overwhelming worry or fear or anger in a moment, you're like, where did that come from? Because it did not come from me, right? This, this thought is really not that foreign to us when we boil it down. Hear me though, what I'm, what I'm not saying is that any of those things I mentioned, anxiety, depression, I'm not saying that if you've ever experienced that, you're demonic. That is not, not the truth at all. Very medical and biologically proven. Um, we as a church believe that, acknowledge that 100%, um, I think, as to scripture. But the reality is this concept of something externally, spiritually afflicting us is really not, not as far-fetched as it might seem. So one man in particular gets to experience this more than we ever have in Mark 5. So Jesus and his disciples arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. So yeah, Tyler, you just tried to explain this isn't, this isn't weird, right? This is normal. Okay, let's acknowledge the fact that there are some weird details of this story, right? This is, it's easy for us to kind of get lost in how surreal some of these details are. Like, he lived in the tombs. They tried to subdue him. They, they shackled him. Um, he's howling. And the hills, right, it's easy for us to get lost in how surreal the details are. But in the process of all those details, we can also miss the fact that this is a human being who wasn't designed to live that way, right? We can all at least agree to that, that he was not created to live like this. Instead, we see a man, a human being, who through these circumstances, through this affliction, is desperate. He's marginalized, right? He's feared, right? I'm sure people in the town did everything they could to stay away once they realized they couldn't hold him back. But he's also afraid himself, right? He's isolated. He himself is hurting, right? It's easy for us to miss the fact that this is a human being. Passage goes on to say, when, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus has already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. 
Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Not, not many of us have seen anything like this, right? So more of these surreal details. But the thing that's easy to miss again is that Jesus recognizes this man apart from the demon, right? So he rushes to him and, and we're kind of left with this weird sense of like, who's in control? Who's speaking? Who's running to Jesus? Is it, is it the man who's desperate or is it these spirits who are so afraid of Jesus, right? We're kind of left in that confusion of, of where, what exactly is going on. But Jesus right away sees through all of that, sees this man and recognizes that there's so much more to this guy than just this outward expression of you know, craziness, as we might call it, the things that would intimidate other people. He sees the man beyond just this demon. Then the evil spirits begged Jesus again and again not to send them to some distant place. The spirits are begging Jesus. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned into the water. Pretty crazy. But what do we see? We see more of this authority over, over the demons. He, even before he expelled them out, if there was any doubt that he had authority over them, you see the spirits begging to him, running to him, and begging to him, please don't hurt us, please don't hurt us. And more than that, we see that it was pretty obvious there was something serious going on inside this man, right? If there was ever any doubt. I think, I think we see this and there's a part of us that thinks like, Jesus, why'd you say yes? Why'd you, why'd you agree to give them somewhere else to go, right? You, you could have done something else. You could have sent them totally away. I don't know. You could have done something. You have authority over them, right? So why did he give them permission to carry out the destruction that they wanted? Scripture doesn't tell us, but what I see, what I think, is Jesus needed the people and the man to know just how severe it was, right? This wasn't just something that he was making up. This wasn't just something that should have been fixed. It wasn't just something that like, oh, his parents did a bad job of raising him. This wasn't just anything like that. This was severe, right? If there was ever any question, the fact that as soon as it left him, 2,000 pigs were were killed, I think it's pretty clear that there was something serious going on. So again, I recognize that these aren't exactly the kind of life verses that you look on Etsy and find a pillow, it says like <laughs> 2,000 pigs, you know, <laughs> Jesus, you know, you don't see that on like football players on their, on their face, I don't know. So I recognize that these aren't exactly your life verses, right? Some of us with, with kids in here and kids over there, I'm really curious to see how the children's Bible represents this one. So we'll see. But I recognize, we recognize this, these aren't exactly the type of verses that we would draw to in a nice quiet time. But if we reframe the story, right, if we see past the stuff that's so hard for us to visualize, what we see instead is a desperate, misunderstood man who is fighting through this oppressive weight on his life. Jesus sees him, recognizes him, sees that there's so much more to him than just what's externally presented and he does whatever it takes to restore him. Like if we boil it down to that, all of a sudden it's not so crazy, right? All of a sudden it's, it's compassionate, it's, it's heroic in a sense. We love movies like this, 
We love movies like this. Watching, watching movies where someone is down on the luck, someone is oppressed by something, and someone else, a teacher, a mentor, a friend, believes in them, sees so much more through just the circumstances of, of who they are, how others see them, no matter how crazy it might seem, right? They see through all of that, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to bring about restoration on the other side, right? If we, if we take away those details and we recognize at the heart of this story, this is so much more than just this demonic encounter. This is the compassionate heart of Christ. And more than just watching movies like that, we as a church take part in things like this, right? This is, this is literally the heart behind social justice. Anyone in our community who's been involved in Araminta, which is a ministry um, or organization that fights against human trafficking locally, nearby, anyone who's been a part of that has this same exact heart. It looks a little different, right? But it's the same exact heart of wanting to pursue beyond just what is seen on the outside, beyond just what life has done to somebody, and instead see them through it and bring about restoration. This is the heart of Jesus. And more than that, it's the heart that he gives us as Christians. Any one of us here who has made that decision to trust in Christ, who has his spirit at work in us, any one of us here has that same spirit. Any one of us here has that same capacity. And that doesn't necessarily mean, yeah, go out and, and do the, dem- or do the, oh gosh, cut that from the recording. Doesn't mean going out and praying over demonic spirits. Doesn't mean going out and doing that necessarily. It means having this same heart that Jesus has. Having eyes, the eyes that Jesus has to see someone who's marginalized, see someone who's maybe different from us, see someone who's, maybe, maybe they intimidate us, see someone who is talked about, feared, whatever it is, eyes to see, these are eyes, eyes to see somebody who is different, and more than that, the courage to do whatever it takes to separate them just from how the world has seen them, to do whatever it takes to walk with, with them into restoration. It's easy for us to make assumptions, right? We see people in other socioeconomic classes, right? We see hear about people who have a different orientation from us. It's easy for us to come to these assumptions of who they are, everything about them because of the the things we see externally or hear about them. It's easy for us with our classmate, our coworker, our neighbor, right? It's easy for us to just lean into the gossip that is being put around and just assume, oh yeah, I'm not gonna associate with them because she, he, whatever, dot, 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 right? If we don't, guard against that, that's it. That really is a temptation that can have us ignore people that aren't easy to love for us, to disassociate with them, right? Just, you know, like someone else should take care of that, but, you know, I have stuff going on in my life. But no, instead, the heart of Jesus in this story is is to have that courage not to ignore, not to disassociate, but instead to be overwhelmed by the heartbreaking nature of their story. This man couldn't be shackled anymore. Why was he shackled in the first place? Like that should should break our hearts. How how does that happen? How how do the people get to that point where they just can no longer love him that they just say, go over there, live in the tombs, right? There's so much that we see around us that really has the potential to break our hearts if if we'll let it. And really, this is the heart of the prayer. And when we invite people to go back and pray, Right, it's 
It's not, just, it's not just this thought of like, man, we want to see cool things happen back there, right? I'm not coming in on a, like a prayer Sunday morning, chest bumping Steve McDonald and being like, we're going to slay some demons today, yeah! Not Steve, usually Luke. But that's not our mentality, right? Right? That's not our mentality. Our mentality is not, let's do something crazy, let's see something cool happen. No. Our mentality is the fact that every single person who comes through those doors, who comes through these doors, who we pass by outside of here, every single person is such a full being and we're called to love all of them. Maybe that means having spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear when there's something spiritually happening, something spiritually oppressive happening. And yeah, we have seen a few people set free of the demonic, which is amazing. And again, not to say that everyone who comes back, that's what we're gonna do. We have seen people come out of that and not a single pig has died, right? I don't think. Good, just making sure. I haven't been there every week, but I don't think we've seen any pigs run off cliffs. But the reality is we have seen people set free from a wide variety of afflictions that at one point in time felt way too big for the people who were walking back there. Felt like there is no hope, right? I've tried so many things and I just, I just can't get past this. We have seen people find freedom in that. And that, that is the heart of Jesus in this passage. That is the heart of Jesus for this man. It's a desperate love for people like this man to bring about freedom no matter the social cost, no matter what it looks like, no matter what people are gonna say. Because freedom is so worth, so worth fighting for. Right, Jesus proved they said, no shackles were big enough. Well, Jesus is big enough. Jesus is big enough to bring about freedom in this man's life. That is the heart that we have when we pray back there. That is the heart that Jesus calls us to walk out in. The passage goes on. This man experiences that freedom, and we see what happens in the rest of that passage. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. They are more afraid now when this man was sitting there perfectly sane. They're afraid, fear is just covering them. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them, right? Look at the difference. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away Another story later, everyone was amazed at what Jesus told them, or what he had told them about Jesus. So this man's a missionary. He encounters freedom. Jesus tells him, go out, tell others. We would think that's normal, right? Except for the fact that in several other instances, even within Mark, Jesus actually does the opposite. He actually tells them, the demons want to say who Jesus is. He won't let them. Um, a, a leper who's healed, deaf and mute man who's healed, blind man who's healed, Jesus, why don't you want people to know about that? That's good stuff. That's good press, right? He says, no, 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 do not, do not tell, do not tell. Even his own disciples, when they come to the realization that he is the Christ, he says, 
Okay, now, don't tell anybody yet, right? Why, Jesus? Don't you want people to know you? Don't you want people to know you? Absolutely, absolutely he wants people to know him, the real him and in the right time. And in this case, there's already that message of fear going out, right? There's these people who were starting these rumors and, oh man, he's crazy. We don't want him in our town. He's out here for the destruction, dot, 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 whatever they're gonna say. There's this message of fear going out and in its place, this man is a testament to freedom. The freedom that Jesus offers, not just for him, but even for us now. Right, so when he gets asked this question, when he gets asked this question, who do you say that Jesus is? What did he say? You know, we don't know exactly what he preached to the other towns that amazed them so much. It probably just didn't, didn't really just stop with like, I had a demon and now it's gone, you know? Okay, yeah, it started there, but man, this Jesus guy, he set me free. My entire life, I was trapped. I was lost in my own body, oppressed, weighed down. And he saw me through it. He did whatever it took. He had authority to set. You should have seen these pigs, man. It was crazy. All that stuff that was in me, gone. Freedom, restoration. All of that through Jesus. More than just delivering from a demon, right? It's this entire passageway into a free life that is offered to this man. And you can guarantee that's what, that's what he was going about. I'm preaching everywhere he went. So who do you say that Jesus is? Right? It's going to be different for every single one of us. Every one of us has our own journey, for sure. We're all going to answer that question differently. But my hope and prayer for every single one of us is that we have our own encounter with him. That whatever it looks like in our life, we can get that taste of freedom we can get that taste of being known by this Jesus, by this God who says he created me, but I, I just don't know sometimes. Every single one of us is gonna come on that journey and have to, have to find an answer to that question. The reality is, guys, this, this, is, this is not hard to, a hard stretch by any means. We live in a world full of fear everywhere around us, right? There's different things, so afraid. But in that fear, Jesus finds a way through his words and his actions to bring about life, to bring about freedom. So yeah, it's gonna look like for us taking risks. It's gonna look like for us recognizing that we have that heart. Any one of us who professes to know God personally, we have that heart to recognize and pursue the outsider, even if it's that person who's struggling in our lives with this oppressive weight of something that we see on the outside, but we, we don't know their battles. We don't, we don't know, but we can take a step into that and fight with them. If there was ever any question, ever any question, we learn that Jesus has the authority over anything, anything in our lives that wants to interfere with our freedom and the freedom of those around us. If there's ever any reason to doubt that, We've seen him prove that, not just with his words, but with his actions, doing whatever it takes to see his people set free. So worship team, you guys can come back up. Just some, some questions to wrap up. Plain and simple, who do you say that Jesus is? There, there are several of us in this room 
who maybe don't have an answer to that yet, who maybe haven't thought he's all that relevant to our lives right now. But it is a relevant question. The rest doesn't make sense if we can't answer that. Where does Jesus want to bring about freedom in your life? And then the next step, who around you is he calling you to notice and to risk knowing, to risk caring for, no matter that cost? So why don't you bow your heads and pray together? God, thank you that you are willing to do whatever it takes to bring about freedom in our lives. God, for any one of us who has forgotten what that tastes like, or for any one of us who's never experienced that, God, will you just intervene and just give a taste, a taste of freedom and life through him, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what's weighing on us. And God, will you give us the courage and the eyes and the presence of your spirit to reach out to those around us who are in desperate need of freedom, whether they would, whether they would come and ask us to help set them free or not, God, let us pursue them to see them restored to who you had in mind when you created each of us, God. God, we pray that same blessing over these kids who are gonna get baptized, God, that they get to walk in a life of freedom to discover who, who they are, who you created them to be, God. And let us, let us be good examples of the risks that come with fighting for that freedom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray all this, amen, amen.